Get ready for a journey into the heart of Bridgeport politics with In Absentia, a new podcast from Connecticut Public's investigative team, The Accountability Project. Learn about the city's past and present political dysfunction and the systems that enable it. Tune in wherever you get your podcasts. Funding provided by Gregory Melville and Susan Fox and Kathleen Bromage. You're about to hear a favorite from the Faith Middleton Food Schmooze archive. This show originally aired in 2017. I got that sunshine in my pocket. Got that good soul in my feet. I feel that hot blood in my body when it drops. It's great to have you joining the party on the Faith Middleton Food Schmooze, inviting you to eat, drink, and be merry with us. We have coming up one of those special summer food quizzes, an idea for uh, what to serve for salad that I think is going to surprise you, jar stuff, what to do with those ball jars that would make uh, serving meals really, really fun. And I mean beyond serving a cocktail or iced tea in one of those jars. We've got some ideas. We also have some breaking news, how to make a boiled egg peel easier. We've invented a cocktail, the Food Schmooze Shrimp Cocktail Bloody Mary. Mm -hmm. So that is coming your way. We think we've discovered the best baba ganoush on the East Coast and two wines, a rosé and a white from the French Alps. The rosé is from France. My treasured food buddies are here, senior contributors Chris Prosperi, Alex Province, and Mark Raymond. Hey, everybody. Hey, Faith. And Robin Doyen Aiken, our senior producer, who joins us on the show. Oh, we've got a quiz for you. Uh-oh. There is. I love um, these. Yeah, this is a quiz. Really, they were giving facts in Food Network magazine, so I'm turning this into a quiz. See, I always get nervous when these come. No, no, no. It's like, There's no... I didn't study last yeah. night. <laughs> I was up sweating. too late. Well, this has to do with the beach. <laughs> I would have crammed. This is beach yeah. stuff. Here we go. So you're on a boardwalk in the summer somewhere. Some people might go to New London, other people mm-hmm. might go to the east end of Long Island, New York. There's a million of them. So uh, you're on the boardwalk. Which one is the most popular snack? Ice cream, French fries, corn dogs, soft pretzel, taffy, fudge, or popcorn? Ice cream. Yeah, ice cream. Yep. Taffy. taffy. Popcorn. So the answer is the ice cream people came in second. Oh, uh, but That's what the, I go the for. answer is the corn dog. See, I'm never. Oh, right. my favorite! Mm. Isn't that interesting? Yes, I do you're, like a you're good, southern I roots, love right? It. Your Texas roots. <laughs> I okay, don't know. Um, which corn dog is is a meal? <laughs> it's not a snack. Yeah, that's not a snack. <laughs> it's a snack. <laughs> Three to, of them is a meal. It's a yeah. snack to <laughs> some right. of us. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right. So, of people out and about in the summer, which one is the most popular? This might surprise you: ice cream or Italian ice. Italian ice. Italian ice. Mm, Italian ice. Cream. ice. Italian it's ice cream. Ice. <laughs> oh, jeez. I just did a little trick. Yeah, no, I just, I like Italian ice, but come on, in the summer, I pass a place on a farm that sells ice cream, and it's in the middle of Simsbury in the back roads, and it could be nine o'clock at night, oh. and there could be 75 people lined up to get yeah. ice cream. <laughs> Downtown, Middletown. <laughs> wherever you are. Vecchio's. Yeah. Oh, wherever, come on. Italian it's ice cream. Oh, boy. It's ice cream. Okay, here's this is this is one that might get you. The best shape for French fries. Is it the straight, the curly, the waffle, or the crinkle cut? Waffle. I'm just going to say straight, classic. Crinkle. Straight. Straight wins, wow. 40%. Yeah, <laughs> against anything else. Okay, let's do just one more. If you go to fairs in the summer, you go to carnivals, on the boardwalk, what is your favorite top deep-fried treat? 
<laughs> is it the Twinkie, candy bar, banana, Oreos, or some other thing we can't even, we, we haven't even thought of yet? What would you say it is? Hmm. Donut. I love a fried Oreo. Yeah, I'm going with Oreo. <laughs> Hands down, fried so Oreo. Oh, you got it. Yeah. Fried yeah. Oreo. Yeah. Fried Oreo. Yeah. Okay, that was really The pickle fun. is second for me, but I like the yeah. Oreo. Yeah. I consider the quiz a surprise. Now we're going to the second surprise, everybody. Yeah, what's in the box? Uh-oh. He's been carrying around yeah. this all morning. What do you got going on? I what is that? I only have a theory about what's in this box. Really? A theory. A theory. And this envelope, I have not an envelope? ordered. I thought, you know what? I'm going to open this like we do yeah. for the first time. What is it? It's right like the Oscars. The yeah, it came a box that came with an envelope. So two, ba- <laughs> two it's a helicopter. That was the drum. So who did oh. it come from? So it came from a woman who's an artist, and at the New Haven Arts Council, she has okay. pieces up, and she mentioned something to me, and I said, "Oh wow, she's Indian. Her name is Rashmi, and it says Two Faith from Rashmi." Okay. So this is a box. There's something in here that rattles, yeah, yeah, yeah. but the envelope that comes with it, and her Regular name, envelope. the artist's name is Rashmi Talpati. Here we go. Okay. I open it up and it's oh a little note. Oh, oh look some oh, photos with a picture. Oh, okay. There's photos. Pictures. Here Can't we go. Can't see them. What are they? Dear Faith, I have enclosed the garlic crab recipe, <gasps> which has been in my husband's family for generations. Oh my gosh. His family is from Mumbai, which before it became the mega city and financial capital of India was a coastal village. They belong to the Petare Prabhu community, and these were natives of Bombay. Seafood was the primary staple of the people then, and they created some of the best curries that I have had. One of them is the garlic crab recipe, which is the favorite of my daughter, who is a consummate food lover. And unfortunately, this is not something that you find in restaurants in the U.S., but also never in restaurants in India. Wow. So do I dare to, and there's a, these are pictures. We are going to post this on Food Schmooze, but I think we should make this. Because and if you can't oh, even yeah. get this in I'm India, the chef here. Chris, give me okay. the recipe. Let's look inside <laughs> the box. What's in the jar? Oh my goodness, the ingredients. Oh, it's all the dried ingredients. So what's oh that? My oh my gosh, god, yeah. I just opened so what do you this. Got? Curry. Okay, so oh, all of these oh, are look, it's jars, the sauce. It's the spices that go in there. Oh, I can't wait to taste this. Possible to get. This is a special curry spice, which I'm sure is made from these three ingredients. Yeah. Can we open them up and smell? Yes, I'm going to pass this over to you, Alex. I took the lid off and the mm. aroma is astonishing. So the ingredients, hard shell crabs, Alaskan king crab legs may be used, but they're not ideal. Cloves of garlic, asafoetida, oh my gosh, turmeric, chili powder, homemade curry powder. The curry she powder, gives us her yeah, homemade. The, the curry powder is amazing. Vegetable or canola oil, and then she tells us how mm. to make this family recipe. Oh my gosh. Rashmi Talpati, the artist in New Haven. You're the only person in the world who makes bacon so classy. Okay. Um, (laughs) This is a gift. And then there's a recipe, curry, Mm. prawns, garlic paste, king powder, holdi powder, mirchi, prabhu, sambar, masala, Okay, I don't know how to get those things, but I'm going to get them somehow. Okay. A- what kind of crab? What is this spice? It's like, I don't um, know. oh my gosh. So this Mark, is not even asaf- available like in celery, restaurants maybe? in India. Chris, we're going to do this, Yes. Right? Oh my God, I'm taking these. They're in my pocket already. Okay. <laughs> okay, these. and I'm leaving yeah. this recipe. And give me the right. recipe. I'll get crabs oh and my I'm God. in. 
Oh, what thank you, that? Rashmi. You Celery? are our new oh, favorite listener. Oh, the smell in thank here you. now. Mm-hmm. Isn't oh that gosh. unbelievable? What kind of crabs do we need? Hard right? shell Hard crabs. crabs. Yeah, we can do Maybe that. I'll get some That's blue easy. crabs. Yes, let's right? go fishing. Let's go fishing. <laughs> let's go fishing. No. Wow. All All right. That's incredible. Isn't that amazing? I'm so excited about this. I can't even believe it. Okay, so can we do some idea brainstorming here? I was thinking about how to use those ball jars to do interesting things. We certainly saw that trend where everybody was serving iced tea in the ball jar and it was it became kind of a cool thing so that's an obvious but what else could we make in those ball jars i'm going to surprise you with something at the end but what could we make in those ball jars that would be fun to make there are restaurants in various places that i've seen that do these layered salads in the Mm -hmm. ball jar they'll Mm -hmm. first put in a layer of chickpeas then they'll put in a layer of chopped lettuce iceberg Mm -hmm. then they'll layer bacon Mm -hmm. then tomatoes Mm -hmm. olives whatever Mm -hmm. and then you put your dressing through the whole thing and you you shake shake it all up and then that's a great lunch so there's one does anybody have an idea Bacon it like bake yeah, a little cake oh, yeah. or a brownie. Yeah. yeah. How about a little like uh, fruit pie, like apple, blueberry, a raspberry? Wow. Could you yeah. bake in it? If oh you yeah. Confit you can do in it. And that's something that I've seen. There was a restaurant in Greenwich that only did this. It was years ago. And I wonder if it's still it was, there. It was Gaia. Gaia. Yes. Yes. And they did everything in a ball jar. In, yes. It, it was either confit or flan or whatever. They yes. baked and, and served, they served it in the ball in jar. The do you remember that place? Yes, I do. Right? I do. Is it still there? No. No, it's not there. No. But So yeah, they did so many cool things in ball jars. You, can't you have put a good one. I can yeah. tell. Well, you, well, you can't put them in high. It's not mine, actually, yeah, you, but I'm going to share You can't it. put them in high heat, but you can put them in water baths, right? Like right. Flan, water baths. And at low temperature, like confit. So you can bake in the oven with it? Yes, but at lower temperatures, not roast, right? You can't put them in at like 500. But you could do a water bath and poach poach the cakes that you want to make. Yes, and that's how you make flan. That's a good idea, I think. Obviously, use the uh, lidded jar to make salad dressing. And I say add the juice of a chicken you're roasting. Or the juice from a steak that you're roasting and pour Mm. that juice off, keep it in a little jar, add it to your salad dressing in this ball Mm. jar. Shake, shake, shake. And I'm telling you that chicken or beef stock, if you're not a vegetarian, gives a kind of backbone to the dressing that is unlike anything you've ever had. It's just so good. I did something really similar. I did a barbecue chicken salad and I just took some chicken, I marinated it in a little whiskey, some molasses, and a little hot sauce, and I grilled it till it was done. And then while I was making my salad stuff, I was chopping up vegetables and stuff, and I put some blue cheese in there. And the chicken sat in a little pan while it was cooling a little bit so I could cut it. And at the bottom of this had all this juice. Mm. So I took the chicken out, I cut it, I put a little dressing, lime juice and a little olive oil on this salad with everything mixed together. And then I noticed that pan of juice was sitting there. I tasted the salad before just as I had it and it was good. But boy, I put that chicken juice in there. Mm. Just And this was just the runoff. And man did that take and that salad to a And you beef as well. Oh, yeah, anything when you, rest, oh, yeah. when you rest your meats beef after you cook them. The best. Yeah. yeah, they sort of, right? Oh my God, turkey. Oh, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And you could use Heaven. bacon fat, duck fat. Yeah. That also gives it this incredible flavor. Okay, I would love to try two things. One I did try, and the other one I just have it in my head. To do brownie a la mode in the bottom of the ball jar. So Mm. uh, brownies (laughs) pre-cooked. 
There might be a layer of brownie sliced maybe in half horizontally. Then there would be ice cream and then more brownie. And then there might be more ice cream and then the nuts of your choice. If you eat nuts, there'd be chocolate sauce. There'd be whipped cream. How about a little peanut butter in there? You could put berries if you want. Nutella. Peanut butter. Caramel sauce. A little fluff and nutter. Dulce de leche. Dulce de leche. Dulce de leche. So anything you want, you could stack that up any way you want. And then big spoons. What a fun dessert when people come. Mm. Yeah. I think the kids would love it too, right? You can yeah. have them preloaded in the freezer as they melt; they get gooier. And Chris, yummier. you and I are still oh. trying to bring back pudding. Yes, <laughs> and you, you can put what? pudding no, in between the, the brownies, pudding, yeah. chocolate pudding. Yeah, and I'm not talking about the fancy French stuff. I'm talking about the, the Bolo Jello. Yeah. <laughs> Jello pudding. Either the right. Yeah, we were talking box. about this. The box. My mom used to only go with the one you made on the stovetop, and every once yeah. in a while, when she wasn't looking in the supermarket, we'd pull that out and put the instant because the instant. I don't know. It just yeah. as a kid so tasted was, better. So yes, uh, we're bringing it's that still back. the cheap little box with a little paper yeah, envelope in the middle. Yeah, it always had a skin on top when you put skin. in the refrigerator to cool. Grab oh, it by the center. Yeah. <laughs> Pinch it out. All right, there's Alex, Alex and I's childhood in, in a nutshell okay. there, right there, bump. So here, the reason I brought up the ball jars and was thinking about things to do in jars, it's because I saw in a column in the New York Times food section mention of someone from Connecticut who has created a device called the Neg Maker. N-E-G-G-M-A-K-E-R.com. You can go to negmaker.com. It's like a small plastic jar. You put your egg in it with a little bit of water. You okay. shake the jar very, very hard. This is a cooked egg. egg. Okay. Oh, a cooked egg. So, you know, it can be just a pain to peel mm. eggs to make deviled eggs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or even in the morning, me. it can just be a pain. So yeah. I, I have lots of hard-boiled eggs. That's the part I can't stand. So I was interested in this uh, device. And you put a little bit of water in there, and then you shake, shake, shake. You can see if you stop for a minute and look, the peel is starting to just peel itself away. You take it out, the rest just peels off in a snap. So she's made that device. However, Florence said at the end of the comment, I don't see why you can't just use a jelly jar with some water almost as effectively. And I felt... I felt badly for the woman, you know, because I thought, well, she's got the proportions worked out. and But anyway, so I didn't have one of her devices, so I went and got a, a ball jar, and I did it. I put a quarter cup of water in the bottom of the jar, shook, 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 and I'll be darned. Perfect. Now, the mistake I could have made was too little, too much water, mm-hmm. uh, the jar's too big. It could have been a bunch of different things. And if you go to her site, negmaker.com, she has all kinds of tips. She's very, very generous, and you can order her device. But it worked like a charm, awesome. and that will be my way to go I like uh, that. in the mornings if yeah. I'm having hard-boiled eggs. Hard-boiled yeah. eggs, yeah. yeah. Or, or I'm thinking about making deviled eggs. That's yeah. the way to go. Who, doesn't, a lot who doesn't love deviled eggs? Oh, yeah. my gosh. But that's the hardest part in my mind. How many do you eat sometimes, at a party, Sometimes, sometimes it's like, oh, several. And, several. The, <laughs> and the fresher the egg, the, the more difficult. Yeah. How many are there? Um, I, know. <laughs> I just feel like I, I want to eat get more than How many shit? can I get away no, with yeah. without yeah. being exactly. noticed? Exactly. Faith still has the best deviled egg on the planet. And that's really? the deep-fried deep ones you had at that, oh, that party. Oh, Ooh. listen. Huh? Listen, I still no. dream what? about those. But that's not my recipe. No, no, Because I've got to give credit to Jim Villas. And he had these fried deviled eggs in his cookbook. So they're really... Pretty I've awesome. tried them and they're evil. We were eating them as fast as we were oh, making yeah. them to send out as a past hors d'oeuvre. Yes. Really? Oh I mean, my God. Have that? They were evil. Okay, here's what we've got. We've got a food schmooze shrimp cocktail Bloody Mary. 
And you need a spoon for this cocktail, but it's really, really fun. You've got to serve this at your next party. We've got two wines to tell you about. And then the author of the cookbook, At a Pinch. This is easier, faster, and fresher Southern classics. Robin Stone will be our guest. Ree Drummond has done the foreword to her book, so you know it's gotten the stamp of approval for Southern cooking. But lightened up and fresher than it might be traditionally. Okay, more mouthwatering conversation and fun ahead on the Faith Middleton Food Schmooze. I hope you will make a charitable contribution to Feed the Hungry. We are online now at foodschmooze.org, and we'll be right back. Listening to a rebroadcast of the Faith Middleton Food Schmooze. This show originally aired in 2017. Beans and cornbread. Beans and cornbread. Beans and cornbread. Beans and cornbread had a fight. Beans knocked cornbread out of sight. Cornbread said, Now that's all right. Meet me on the corner tomorrow night. Hey, would you like a copy of the show, the podcast? It's called Sent to You in Your Inbox every week. So you can either listen as the show is airing, or if you miss something and you want to replay it, go to your podcast. We send it to you. You just sign up once at foodschmooze.org. Pleasure coming to your inbox. I'm with my treasured food buddies, Chris Prosperi, chef and co-owner of Metro Beast Restaurant in Simsbury, Connecticut, wine broker Alex Province of Hartford, Mark Raymond, wine broker of Weathersfield, and our senior producer is Robin Doyon Aiken, who also joins us on the show. Before we get to the wines, we want to tell you about something that we created together on the show. Mm. And it is the easy way to do this, but it is a shrimp cocktail Bloody Mary. Oh, wow. And you will see this online right now at foodschmooze.org. You'll see the pictures. We're going to tell you about how we made this. But I am holding in my hand right now a martini glass. You could use a different kind of glass if you want. This is a cocktail that's served with a spoon when your guests come. You make up your sauce with the Bloody Mary mixture with the vodka in it. We used the vodka made in Connecticut from Waypoint Spirits, which is their Labrador Noon spicy vodka, nice. uh, which That's already so has the horseradishy type spices. Oh, and, you need yeah. no more spice Very sp- when you yes. use that. Is it 13 or what's or X111? He, yeah, it's 13. I don't know what that means, actually. Yeah, I don't know. I, don't I know never. Either. So we try to cut another mix, too. And this is Manny's Ultimate Bloody Mary that Alex Province found in Greenwich, Connecticut at uh, Citarella. And this was delicious. So we mixed two things together. 
Manny's, by the way, is a local person. Yeah, who, uh, and there are anchovies in here and uh, all kinds paste. of raisins yeah. and wow. all kinds of it stuff. It is so it's good. It's gluten free. It really is delicious. It's and, it, and it's in one of those jars. A mason jar. Speaking <laughs> okay. of the devil. Okay, so here's how this goes chill a, a picture of your favorite Bloody Mary concoction. Some people like to do it with horseradish, some without, some want it spicy, some don't. You can make it from scratch yourself, or you can buy it already pre-mixed. We've just mentioned one or two to you. So store-bought or homemade, plus your vodka, and you pour that mixture into a pretty glass, say a martini glass, because it's so festive, and it's just the right amount. We poached some shrimp, right, Mark? Yeah, we poached some jumbo shrimp, and then we chopped it up into small bite-sized pieces. No shells. No shells, no tails, completely shelled and deveined, of course. And then we put it, those chopped up pieces into the glass first, chilled, and then you pour your drink your, your right over the bloody mary mix and right vodka, over the top of it right over the top and then i call for sprinkling bacon on the top you can do what we all agree to do you'll see this in the picture at, at foodschmooze.org <laughs> oh, yeah. we had a big strip of bacon sticking out plus, <laughs> plus we had a wedge of lime on the side so it's a pretty gorgeous thing with a spoon we have a plastic spoon in it it's a pretty gorgeous thing to hand people and yeah. i'm just going to give this and a I try right now the rest of it with my spoon yeah after i had all the shrimp eaten i was like i could drink this out of the glass now but i kept going with the spoon like it was soup (laughs) i I feel like you could rim the glass with a little old bag so what do we call that do we call that an right do we call that an apple cocktail yes because it's an appetizer and and a cocktail cocktail. i love that mark or brunch yeah yeah I mean, it's, it's perfect Mm. it's a perfect starter if i walked into somebody's house and they gave me that i'd be in love so we saw that online light. that there were, this flew into my head and I mm-hmm. thought, is someone already doing this? And we did see some mm-hmm. sort of shrimp mm-hmm. kind of Bloody Mary things, but they're not really what this is. This is this is a wholly different object. <laughs> this is real chunks of shrimp. Oh, yeah. And you just eat this with the spoon. And then uh, if you have sprinkled bacon on top, if you don't mm-hmm. have vegetarians in your crowd... But if you have vegetarians, the thing is you could just leave no, off that whole strip it, of bacon that's it garnishing. It makes it yummy, but it doesn't eat it. Yeah. So the recipe, how to do it, and photographs on our website, foodschmooze.org. One of the things I thought was really easy about this is we found a really good Bloody Mary mix recipe with the vodka we picked. So we really only needed to mix two ingredients to keep it really yeah. super simple. And it was one part vodka, four parts Bloody Mary mix. Yeah. It had just the right amount of spice in it. If you like it spicier, obviously you can tweak it up a little bit. So it's but, just perfect. And if you like yeah. it less spicy. Spicy, you can lessen up mm-hmm. the, the vodka. You, do, you wouldn't use the spicy vodka. Right. You or would just use, use a just regular. regular. Yeah. Um, and this makes a great mocktail. Yeah. For people who I don't, don't drink and for kids. Yeah. You know, so you could I, do a pitcher of yeah. just plain and you could do a, a pitcher with in the refrigerator to chill. Okay. On so Sundays, if I'm having a second, I always have one without vodka. No. Nah. Right? The first one on Sundays when I go out to eat, I have a Bloody Mary. And if I love it so much and I want to keep going, I just well, order another one without the vodka. There's so much and flavor. It's so you wouldn't refreshing. even miss the vodka. No, I don't yeah. even miss it. Well, it's, still a, yeah. it's still a refreshing yeah. mocktail, cocktail, whatever, with or without the vodka. It's still really good. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. All right. So we have, as we mentioned, uh, the author, Robin Stone, of Add a Pinch. And this is updated, easier, faster, fresher, Southern classics. And uh, we have a 
a lemon meringue pie coming your way. We have, straight from the south, by the way, we're going to tell you about how to do a cream corn that is really pretty darn good. And what Chris made for us, the Mm. citrus shrimp. It couldn't be easier Mm. from this book. All those coming your way in just a bit. Uh, Okay, right now I'd like to talk about a couple of wines and one a white and one a rosé. Let's start with the white. This is, and I have pictures uh, doing a tasting in Mystic. Uh, I want to say thank you to uh, New London wine lover Joanne Church because she took me to one of her favorite shops in downtown Mystic. It's called uh, Universal Package Store. And also thank you to the owner because uh, we said to him, what would you recommend? What, What wine do you absolutely love? And he said, here it is. This is one of the most unusual and delicious wines I've had in a long time. It's from the Savoie uh, region of France at the foot of the Alps. So it's a bit chilly there as well as warm. And this wine is called, the the label picture is on our site, of course, 2015 Apremont. And it is from the winemaker Romain Chamillot. And he very carefully harvests these grapes of this white wine. He adds almost nothing, and then he allows these grapes to really concentrate. So this is a man Mm. who has such honor about his product. He doesn't want to do stretch out the wine the way other winemakers sometimes in that region will do. He will sell less because he wants to be proud of the wine. So you can taste it right away. And this is from one of our favorite distributors, Rosenthal. So you know it's going to be something Mm -hmm. to pay attention. So I came upon, I was writing down notes of how I thought it tasted, asking the people I was tasting with, what do you taste, what do you think? And I came upon a reviewer, Cody Foster. He wrote the best description of this wine. I have to read this short thing to you. He said, this wine, this white wine, represents sprightly alpine terroir. On the palate, it's discernibly dry with soft acids that deliver a mouth-wateringly limey mineral cut, fresh cream, wildflowers, and running water. This is delicious wine. Quite simply, it tastes of the French Alps. That Great is description. so yeah. true. Uh, makes me want to drink it right now. An incredible white wine, about $17 or $18 a bottle. So thank you to the owner of Universal Package Store in downtown Mystic for finding this one and uh, giving it to me and my friends to taste. They have great wine in this store, mm. by the way. This man, I discovered when I walked through the store, hand writes little labels that say featured on the Faith Middleton food schmooze. Oh, he hand writes them. Nice. Yeah, it's so nice of him. They have the same package store in Noank right next to Ford. So when people go to do your BYOB, it's a cutest little store. Oh, oh that's great. nice. Okay. Nice. So you're going to find pictures of the label and us tasting it at our website, foodschmooze.org. As always, we tell you to call ahead to your wine store if you'd like them to get a bottle for you. It's best to call ahead so it's not a wasted trip. Be sure to tell them, as we say at our site, that the distributor is Rosenthal, and he has the best taste. So just remember, all you need right now is foodschmooze.org. Schmooze, spelled S-C-H like school, M-O-O like the cow, Z-E, foodschmooze.org. Here's another one. This is a rosé that Alex Province found for us, and I don't think I've ever had a rosé like this. Whoa, this is so intense. Wow, right? 
Wow. I loved it. I huh, loved bold. it too. So right. most rosés come from bold. the south. Many rosés come from the south of France, like Provence and the south of Rhone, and they're oftentimes made with Grenache, and it's that beautiful sort of soft rose color. This comes from the Loire, so further north, and it is so intense. It's like neon rosé, and it's made from the country cousin of Cabernet Sauvignon, Cabernet Franc, which is like a more mm. rustic, sort of aromatic grape. So that's why the um, the normal rosé of this is quite deep yeah. in color, right? Because right. the Cabernet Franc, it, and they're doing a lot of skin contact. It's four hours of skin contact, but it's actually done like the Sagné method, so they bleed off the tank, and in fact... What's left in the tank may go in to make a red wine, and this is sort of almost wow. like a byproduct, but it's so intense. And the I just, amazing. we just got it in this week, and I open a bottle. That's the thing with rose, you never know what you're going to get. So each vintage is going to be different. This is the 2016. And the winemaker is a Rene Couli. Yeah, it's um, Couilly du Thai, is the way that people should look it up. Couilly du Thai. Well, it's, this is on her website. Yeah, again, like all French labels, they're not easy and they're hard to pronounce <laughs> and say. But Cuyi is the name, and it comes from the Loire, and the grape is Cabernet Franc. So how do we describe this flavor? Because this is, when we say intense, what I mean is berries to Raspberries, max. not sweet. Strawberries. Yeah. wow. Candy. Yeah. You look at it, and it just it, it glows in the dark almost. Yeah. So, so rosés, we always say, are, are, are fun. Um, they're mostly all good. They're light, and they're ser- served cold. If you're like a rosé that's intense and full-bodied. And like Chris was saying, you mm. could eat with lots of different foods. Yeah. In fact, you could eat it with chicken and ham and mm-hmm. even beef if steak, you wanted to. Absolutely. Steak, Grilled burger. steak, chicken, burger. Oh, yeah. So um, this is about uh, how much a bottle? $18. Okay. So this is a little pricier Not than the other rosés. No. Yeah. But it is very elegant. And because of the reference to berries in this, Ooh. you know, where we all went, Wow. I would think that the ideal pairing for this, can you imagine Outside. if you did a strawberry shortcake oh, when you paired said that, I was with like, wow. ice cold this? Yeah. Whoa. Oh, would so that be great. stunning? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely yes. stunning. So or could, no shortcake just on way, top of ice you, cream. or You could take this all the way through to dessert. Yeah, and you that's could. that's yeah. special. I would make a strawberry sangria out of this. Yeah. Wow. Would you? Oh, yeah. I would just do what you're saying. I'd chop up strawberries, add it maybe like a touch of effervescence. Brandy? Um, Would you put brandy uh, in? Brandy would be good. (laughs) I might even do a splash of cream. Just to mm. sort of uh, almost give it like a sorbet flavor. Really? Wow. Okay. So you never tried that. This. So if anyone does, it. yeah. Okay. So <laughs> let us um, know. <laughs> so the distributor is on our website. It's Winebow, Wine and uh, you'll see it. You'll find it. It is the Cuy um, Dutai, uh, and it's called Chinon, and it's the year is 2016. The maker is Rene Cuy, and. Uh, it's one of the most intense rosés we've ever had. It's a beautiful bottle, um, very lovely label, so French. And the Cab Franc is the uh, roughhouse grape in here, yeah. you know, grape mm. from this region. Mm. Country, country grape. So Tough, beautiful. And big and strong. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So that was exciting. These two wines at our website, foodschmooze.org. So who's been to this new spot at the Oyster Club in Mystic, mm. in downtown Mystic? We were just talking about oh, Mystic a minute ago. The Treehouse. I, I love it. The Treehouse. Be there Saturday night. So nice. upstairs, 
They have built a treehouse deck, (laughs) and sitting there, you can look out with a view of the harbor and the boats in Mystic, and it's all all open air. You know, it's just wonderful up there. Yeah. Uh, Not a gigantic space, but enough for a good crowd of people. They have their own kitchen. Yeah. Kitchen up there. Okay, so that's at the Oyster Club, and one more bit of news about them. They said that they are opening a butcher shop in yeah, downtown Mystic, and it's going to cool. be also a small seat restaurant, very small seats. And they're going to have, they're bringing in a true, authentic French rotisserie, oh, and they're going to grill big oh, stuff. Like with the potatoes on the bottom, oh. I hope. Game, game, game on nice. the rotisserie. Okay, so that's it. coming. Danny that is Miser coming has that summer. farm in, in Stonington, Stoneacre, and I think he's growing and getting a lot of the stuff from that farm. Yeah, yes. something big's coming with that farm. We're yeah. going to talk about that later. He's, they're going to come on the show, and they're going to bring stuff. All right. <laughs> we like stuff. And we're going to talk love about it. that farm. <laughs> All right, coming up, we have Robin Stone, a blogger and author of At a Pinch, Easier, Faster, Fresher Southern Classics. We love the local. Please support your local food growers and food makers for on-demand podcast delivery of the Food Schmooze Party every week, meaning a copy of the show, free. And to find all of our terrific food, wine, cocktail, restaurant, hot topics, our short, fun streaming videos, and the recipes we feature, of course, we're online to get everything. Foodschmooze.org. And we'll be right back. listening to a rebroadcast of the Faith Middleton Food Schmooze. This show originally aired in 2017. This is the Food Schmooze Party offering the richness of life and coming to you in Connecticut, Rhode Island, Massachusetts, and New York, including Westchester County, the east end of Long Island, the Hamptons, of course. The senior producer is Robin Doyon Aiken. And to hear this show on WNPR, it airs Thursdays at 3. Podcasts, meaning copies of the show, and our curated recommendations are always online, as in right now, at foodschmooze.org. Okay, I wanted to say one thing before we get to our cookbook author. We were mentioning, I forgot to say what I had at Oyster Club and Mystic. I had a skate in a bowl with a Burblanc sauce and a kind of candied polenta that was kale and candied somehow, and it was really, really delicious. Um, I know, Mark, you had a soft show crab sandwich on a brioche bun there that knocked you out. Oh, yeah. Also, we wanted to say a shout-out to another couple of people, and that would be restaurants in downtown Mystic, uh, Red 36 and Bravo Bravo. They're also doing a great job, great views, 
So we love all you folks. There's so many good purveyors in the New London, Mystic, no ank. And this is the time Stoning to go there. Stoning right? yeah. This yeah, is the beginning of the summer. Places with a view. <laughs> Can I just do one more? I think I have discovered in New London maybe the best baba ganoush on the East Coast. So maybe I should say, because I haven't tried them all on the East mm-hmm. Coast, I should say this has got to be one of the top award winners because I love baba ganoush and I've had it a million places and oh my goodness so it's a smoky eggplant dip usually it's put over an open flame to give it that smoke is what you do with the eggplant Mm. and then you scrape the inside out after it bakes in the oven it's gotten smoked first Mm. then you scrape the inside out and you mix it with all kinds of things and it's Mm. absolutely delicious so two new londoners joanne church and gene milstein tipped us off to this Said International Market on Ocean Avenue in New London. It's a simple place, but top-notch destination for Middle Eastern foods. Hummus, zatar pizzets, uh, zatar, this incredible spice mixture, stuffed grape leaves, and this famed baba ganoush, as far as I'm concerned. You can wander the aisles for all kinds of Mediterranean things. Said's International Market in New London, Connecticut is... They're doing some stuff in there. That baba ganoush is unbelievable. Okay, here comes something I've been really looking forward to because of the recipes. The book is called At a Pinch, Easier, Faster, Fresher Southern Classics. The author is blogger Robin Stone. Ree Drummond, one of the greats in Southern cooking, has done a forward to the book. So you know you wouldn't get that endorsement easily. And we can see why. So, Robin, welcome to the Fuchmoos Party. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here. Uh, Where are we calling you right now? I'm outside of Atlanta, about an hour west of downtown Atlanta. And you're at your town? It's Carrollton, Georgia. Ah, okay. Raised in this area, so I know. Home for me. I know. I wanted to start that way because so much of what you learn and so much of what is in this book comes from your roots there. And what would you say you have done to the tradition of these recipes that you had growing up? Well, growing up, I remember my mother and my grandmother spending so much time in the kitchen. It was always the happy, warm place of the house. It's where everybody gathered. But I do remember them spending an ordinate amount of time preparing for supper. And when I was first married, I was trying to recreate those same meals, but I didn't think I had as much time to do it. So as I was going through a lot of my grandmother's and my mother's recipes and trying to make them for my own family, I tried to find ways that I could simplify them while not losing that flavor or the Mm. feel of those traditional Southern meals I had grown up with. Well, can we start with one? Because Chris made your citrus shrimp recipe for us. And we chose this because we said this is so easy. And one little step is so fantastic for the flavor that we just enjoyed. It's your citrus shrimp. Chris, tell how this came together. Yeah, I'm going to do my shrimp from now on like this. It's just the easiest thing, (laughs) but it adds such amazing flavor. You whisk together a little olive oil, orange juice, lemon juice. Fresh. Fresh, yeah. And uh, some garlic, some chopped onion, a little bit of parsley, and you whisk that together. You put it in a pot, bring it up to a simmer, reduce it by half. So, you know, you just keep an eye on it. Then you put your shrimp that are peeled and deveined, about three pounds of them, in there. Put the lid on, you just cook it. So basically, you're making shrimp Five minutes. This is like what we do all the time when we cook shrimp, except we usually use water or some 
some kind of broth or whatever. But this gives it such a zest. You pull it off, you top it off with the rest of the remaining parsley, and then you serve it with orange and lemon wedges. Or, and it was the best thing, we put it on a salad. And oh my gosh, these oh, had it's flavor. So good. <laughs> I'm so it is incredible. It. And I know that you grew up, uh, at least for part of the summer, going to the beach. Yes. And you'd pack up the car, and <laughs> your your dad would uh, cook Gulf shrimp. Did he do it the citrus way, or is this your idea? Well, he did a variation of this, but I just wanted to kick up that citrus just mm. a little bit. But his usually was mainly oranges. I just thought that the lemon and parsley added a special touch. Uh-huh. To it and it sure let, does. And let me say, it looks beautiful. When it came out of the pot and I had it on a platter, mm. almost, I mean, it just looks like a beautiful plate of shrimp. So if this recipe, thank you for this, is on our website with information about this book. That's foodschmooze.org, S-C-H like school, foodschmooze.org. You'll see the citrus shrimp recipe. And now I'm going to go to one. This is one we don't have on the site, but I couldn't resist. This is your grandmother, Earlene's creamed corn. Listen listen to this ingredient list. Six ears of fresh corn, (laughs) half a cup of whole milk, a couple tablespoons of salted butter, and a teaspoon of kosher salt. Mm -hmm. It couldn't get much easier than that. I know, Robin. (laughs) But but what makes this so special? The fresh corn definitely makes it special, but Mm. Grandmother Earlene's corn, and that was one of the dishes that my whole family always looked forward to her serving whenever we would go, especially in the summer. My grandfather had a huge garden, and corn was always a prevalent part of it. So she would freeze it, and we would have it all year long, but in the summer when it was cut fresh off the ear straight from Granddaddy's garden was always delicious. Mm. But hers had a whole lot more cream and a whole lot more butter than this, And so when I tried to bring it down just a notch, I decided I would blend some of the fresh corn to get that same creaminess without adding so much cream and butter. So you put it in the blender? I put it in the blender just to get that same milky creaminess without all that cream and butter that she had put in hers. And I don't think she would mind. I think she would still love it. Well, you remember the taste. And so does it come close? It does. It definitely does. And what I did is I was recreating these recipes. I would make sure that my whole family agreed that it tasted just as good as the original if I had reduced a lot of butter or cream or sugar or something like that from Mm -hmm. the recipe. So you know, certain recipes would get a thumbs up or or not. So this one definitely did. (laughs) This is Robin Stone, who is a blogger and also has done this cookbook called Add a Pinch. And the whole focus of this is easier, faster, fresher Southern classics. And so uh, glad we talked to you about that. Your grandmother and you also do something that is vital, where after you scrape the corn kernels off the cob, you use the knife to scrape the cob itself again, and then the milk, Mm. they call it, from the cob comes off into whatever dish you're doing that. And yeah. that juice in there is so <laughs> yeah. filled oh, yeah. with flavor. That's a secret it thing. Is. That is the flavor of the corn is there at the cob with that milk. So you hit the nail on the head with that. Let's skip over to dessert because, okay. uh, you know, <laughs> I, I, you know, if Southerners know anything, it is dessert, I have to say. Oh, yeah. Uh, this is Lulubelle's Lemon Meringue Pie. Lemon Meringue Pie. This is on our website, foodschmooze.org. Uh, milk, sugar, cornstarch, salt, egg yolks, 
You save the whites for the meringue, a little bit of butter, fresh lemon juice, sour cream, a pie crust. You give the recipe for that. I suppose you could buy one if you don't want to make one. People do. And then you tell us how to make the mile-high meringue is what you call it. Doesn't that just sound good? Okay. So this is uh, Aunt Lulu Bell's. Did you call her aunt or aunt? I just called her Aunt Lulu Bell. Yes. Okay, Aunt Lulu Bell. So go ahead. Tell me what made this special. Oh, her pie, she was always in the kitchen too, but she would, I remember going into her kitchen, especially at the beginning of the summer, she would have pies cooling on the counter and while she was putting together the meringue. And I would try to sneak just a little taste of her lemon pie before she got the meringue on top, and she would always catch me. But um, this pie was always one that she would take to every family reunion or every church get-together. But I especially loved it when we knew that we didn't have to share the pie with a whole lot of people. <laughs> it, was, it was for our little group of the family. So um, it was always just one of those, most delicious pies. It's not so lemony, you know, that it makes your mouth pucker. It's the sour cream just kind of blends it out to where it's really, it's just a delectable lemon meringue pie. I don't always have this reaction on the show. I love many, many things. And we, we basically feature what we love on this show. That's why you're not hearing us <laughs> knocking people. But it's rare that I, as I'm, you know, describing and listening to the words inside a recipe. My mouth is actually watering <laughs> as I'm, I'm looking at into a small bowl, whisk the egg yolks, hot milk, and then boil it, and then the filling, and then the butter and the lemon juice. And I'm reading this, and then the meringue on top, and my mouth is watering. So it's like, I can't wait. Somebody needs to make this. <laughs> I'm, I'm a terrible baker. I am too, but I, I'd give it a try. I think. Would just, you? Well, just, just you know what? Oh. If she would talk me through it on the phone, because I just love her. Voice. I mean, this is Georgia. <laughs> this is Georgia Aunt Lulabelle's lemon meringue pie yeah. from Georgia. We oh. got to. Oh, we, oh we yeah. Have to have it. We got to make that. Okay. Um, another thing is peach crisp. Now, mm. another thing Georgians know how to do is uh, raise peaches. Mm. They they grow some peaches in Georgia, and you bet if they're doing a peach crisp, because they've got so many peaches that there's competition about this. You've got... So um, this is salted butter, peeled, sliced, fresh peaches. Oh, here goes my mouth again. Packed dark brown sugar, all-purpose flour, chopped pecans, mm. kosher salt, and vanilla ice cream on uh -huh. top. Oh, oh, are you kidding me? So I understand that your family devours this thing in the summer. Yes, that we do. And it's one of those things, growing up, we would always have little farm stands from place to place where we would always watch for peaches to be in season. And I find myself doing the same thing. I'm like scoping out the certain places where I know that the fresh peaches will be the first of the season. So I'm already in that mode now looking, <laughs> yeah. trying to find the peaches. But, um, yes, as soon as, as soon as we find them, this is definitely on our, on our menus just about every weekend that we can possibly have it. And it comes together so fast in the skillet. And I like to prep it ahead before we sit down to dinner and then just pop it in the oven as we're eating dinner. <laughs> and then it comes out fresh and you put the ice cream on and it let it get a little bit melty. And if it, we're really close family, then it, just like it's photographed in the book, we'll just grab some spoons and dig in. And, you know, everybody just has a great time that way. Wow. Or you can, you know, of course, serve it up a little bit more traditionally and, and put it in 
in bowls for people, but it is always a favorite. Mm. Oh. You, have, you have a porch and a rocker there, that we, yes. or a few yeah, rockers that we're we on our way. sit there. We'll be there shortly. A little screened-in area for us. Yeah. I'm going to do a show there. <laughs> That's okay. it. So it's think, not screened-in, but it has the rest. Okay, good. So um, think about this. You've got a skillet on the heat. And you melt that butter in that skillet. Then you add those fresh peaches and the brown sugar, and you're stirring it up. And it starts to thicken that way into this light syrupy mixture. And you take it off, and then in that bowl, here you go, with more butter, more brown sugar, a little bit of flour, and the pecans, and the salt. Salt is so important against sweet. And then you you spread that over the peaches in the pan, and you pop that whole skillet on a baking sheet in case it bubbles over, because it does. And then into the oven it goes about a half hour until it's brown and bubbly. And that's why Robin will pop it in, make it ahead, and then pop it in when the dinner begins, and it's ready by the end of the dinner. So great. Oh, my. This recipe is at our food site, (laughs) foodschmoes.org, along with information uh, about our book. Um, and the book is Add a Pinch by Robin Stone, Easier, Faster, Fresher, Southern Classics. Who were your testers in this final minute of the show? Family, friends, relatives? Family, friends, relatives all joined in, and we all just had the best time testing the recipes. And like I said, all had to agree that it tasted just as good as what you know, what we had all grown up with, my sister had to say, yes, that it tastes just like grandmother's cream corn before I could proceed. So Nice. <laughs> wow. I, I would like to volunteer to come down for the next book. And for okay. the tasting. To being, exactly. being one of the taste testers. Yeah. I really Definitely. would. And we'll say things like, yes, this is what I imagine that a real Southern crisp would be. Yeah, and absolutely. you can use other berries besides the peaches, by the way. You know, you yeah. could use yeah. all kinds of fruits that are in season. Strawberries, blueberries, blackberries, and in the fall, it's delicious with apples and pears. I just add a little bit of to it. Robin, it's been so great talking with you and meeting you, and thank you for what you do. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It's been a wonderful pleasure. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. And never eat more than you can lift. In New Haven, I'm Faith Middleton. Come to my